Are you tired? I mean, are you sleepy? I mean, it is morning, and I, for one, haven't had coffee yet. Um, or maybe you had a rough night or a rough couple of nights. Um, you may be physically drained from the past week of cooking, cleaning, gift wrapping, traveling, <clears throat> shopping. Um, <laughs> or it may be an emotional drain from trying to get all of your Christmas plans exactly the way you want them to turn out. Or it could be a more hurtful drain, um, a sense of exhaustion from not having your loved ones here. Maybe the first year that they're not here, or maybe the 20th year they're not here, and it's, it takes a toll on you. No words can really express, and you try to put on a strong face, but it's taxing, it's tiring. Or it could simply just be the last two years between COVID not dying all the COVID precautions, the racial unrest, the political instability. There's a lot for us to be tired about. Amen? Amen. <laughs> so the text we're going to look at today is Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. Um, and this text is all about rest. It's not simply the rest we get from a quick nap after a poor night's sleep. And it's also not the rest that we get from vegging out on the couch <clears throat> or the rest that we're supposed to get after a vacation. But it's a rest that is true. It's the rest that's experienced from Jesus. And my hope, my prayer, is that we leave through those doors today feeling more rested than we did when we entered them this morning. Um, as we dig into the passage, I want us to see that relying on God gives us rest regardless of what's happening in our lives so if you will turn it with me to Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, and um, stand if you are able, and we'll read it. <clears throat> and Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am weak or gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My soul, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The flower fades and the grass withers, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Um, pray with me. Father God, I entreat you that your name is glorified above all else today, Lord. I pray that everything that's not from you will fall flat on its face, Lord. Um, you are a sovereign God in control of everything, Lord, but you are also a personal God. And I thank you for giving us a religion, not of laws that we have to follow, but a relationship that you invite us to regardless of who we are and what we've done. And Lord, we love you and we thank you. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so today, I'll give you a little bit of context for where we are, considering we're doing a big old chapter today. Um, we're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew. It's one of the first four books in the New Testament. It's one of the Gospels. It tells us about Jesus' life. And this, this little altar call that Jesus gives is at the end of a very exciting chapter. Later on, after I'm done, hopefully, um, you should read it. It's really fun. Um, <clears throat> but at the beginning of the chapter, two of John's disciples come to visit Jesus. And Suffice it to say, John the Baptist is burdened, and he is and He is a completely different man than he was at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He, 
<clears throat> he sends two disciples to ask Jesus a really simple question, but a really loaded question. Are you really the Christ? Which is, is mind-boggling. This is John the Baptist. This is the man who said that his whole purpose in life was to make, way, make straight the way for the Lord. And now he's questioning everything. This is the man who put up a gigantic fight with Jesus when Jesus told him that you must baptize me. And now he's questioning if Jesus is even the Messiah. <clears throat> this is the man that said, you must, I must decrease while you increase Jesus. And he's not only decreased, he's lost followers and he, <laughs> and he's in jail. He's not waiting to get out of jail, he's waiting to, to die. So, John's a little tired. <laughs> but that might be a little too extreme of an example for us to really wrap our, wrap our hands around. Jesus is also talking to first century Jews, so the religious people of the day. And they had, the leaders were telling them constantly, you have to follow this law, this law, this law, this law. And that's taxing. And then they, they were living in the Roman Empire, which was full of secular stuff that they could, that was just surrounding them. And that is exhausting. And much like we can see in our own, our own modern context, the world wants to sap your rest. So today I want to look at three questions and attempt to answer them. Um, who needs rest? How do we get rest? And why Jesus is our only rest? So look with me at verse 28. And Jesus tells us who exactly needs rest. It's those who labor and are heavy laden. Um, I'm going to go ahead and split those two into labor and heavy laden. <clears throat> um, even though most of the time it's a combination of the two that we struggle with. But those who labor, the, the Greek word that the ESV, which is what I'm using, translates to labor, is also used in other translations to those who are weary. Um, they both come from the same word, though. It's uh, kupau. Um, I practiced that for three hours yesterday to make sure I could say that right. Uh, <laughs> but it, it, it really means both things, and it also means to toil. Um, I personally, I, I love the, the toil when I was studying this passage because it brings both of those concepts together, laboring and weariness. Because he's calling to people who are trying to, to get their lives to go the way that they want it to, and all that they're ending up getting is guilt, and shame, and hopelessness. And then the, the second group of people Jesus is talking to are those who are heavy laden. Um, it's those who are in a situation that's beyond their control that they didn't choose to go down that path. They didn't choose to do that. But the, the external circumstances have been placing this great pressure on them. And it's not of their own doing. And we, we as people, we fall into both these categories. We both have our own toils that we're trying to do ourselves, but we also have circumstances that are draining us. Um, yeah. um, so 
<clears throat> while we would want to say we fit squarely into the second category, we can't. Um, <laughs> but, but part of that's because of the fall. We are all sinners. We need a savior. Um, and the, the sad thing is that when the savior came, we as humans killed him. But Jesus doesn't just look at us and say, I was able to do this perfectly. Why can't you? Because I did it perfectly. I can pass judgment upon you and say, you deserve all of God's wrath. He doesn't do that. Praise God. He instead says, come to me. He says, come to me to this group of people who probably were, followed him to Jerusalem and were part of the crowd saying, crucify you or crucify him at Easter, at, during Easter time. Um, so, <clears throat> you may say that, that you can't come to Jesus um, just because, you know, you have to keep it together, that you have to be in control of your own life. You may say, there's absolutely no way that I can just call out to Jesus. Um, there's no way that I can walk into the throne room of God because of my life. Have you seen it? Have you seen what I've done? I've ruined my family. I've made a mess of my life continuously. I've messed up everything. But here's the beauty of the gospel, that it's not based on you. You're not a proponent, you're not a piece of the, the puzzle. Your righteousness before God is all on Jesus. It's all on Jesus, it's not on you. And that means, that's the, ah. <laughs> you can just call out to Jesus and say, I, take me, take me as I am, and he will grab you. When he says, come to me, that's what he's saying. It's awesome. So everyone, desperately needs rest. Which leads us to our second question, which is how do we get rest? Um, <clears throat> so in verse 29, we see that Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon you. Now, depending on how you read this, it seems kind of like, well, why would I want to put a yoke on, my, on myself that wasn't there already? But really, we only have two options. We have the yoke of the world, or we have the yoke of the Lord. Um, and the, the yoke of the world leaves you burdened and heavy laden. It leaves you weary. But Jesus's, the, the yoke of the Lord, leaves you light. It leaves you rested. Um, Paul talks about this dynamic in Romans 6. But in that, he refers to it in terms of being a slave and being, or being a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. And we don't have time to unpack all the nuances of Paul's argument or everything, but his argument there with slaves of sin and slaves of righteousness is the same that Jesus is bringing to this. You either can have the yoke of the world or you can have the yoke of the Lord. And um, this, this completely rails against our modern culture where everyone wants to call Switzerland, I can do it myself, I don't need anyone else, I can control my own life. But it just doesn't work that way. <laughs> um, and it's, you can really see this dynamic when people are mourning the death of a loved one. Um, those who are believers 
if someone dies, there's a sense of bittersweet emotions where we're sad that our, our brother, sister, and Christ has passed, but also we know where they are. We know that, that they're on the right side of eternity. But whenever the, the, the world mourns, it's sad. Like it's legitimately depressing because they don't have any hope. So we can either have the yoke of Christ or the yoke of the world. <laughs> um, so how do you know that you have the yoke of Christ and not the yoke of the world on? It's pretty simple. Jesus says in the middle of uh, verse 29, and learn from me. So <clears throat> before we dive deep into that, um, our modern, our Western mind loves to separate the concept of knowledge and love. <laughs> So, in a, in a super unhealthy way. But this isn't the case in the Hebrewic mind, um, it, it, which uses the same Hebrew word for both to know and to, to love. Um, there's a deep connection between these two concepts. And really, that thought isn't that, that, that odd to us, that you, what you love, you know a lot about. Like, I love cars. So I know more than I probably should about cars. Um, I, <clears throat> on a scale, um, I know a lot less about sports than I do cars. And I know a heck of a lot more about Hannah than I do about either one of those two things because I love her and I want to know her. We, we are called to love the Lord with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. And <clears throat> we say that, and it's really easy for us to say that, but how often do we actually do that? How often do we learn about God because we love him? Um, and then Jesus ends verse 29 in such, such an amazing way. Um, he says that he is gentle and lowly in heart. And we gave out a ton of books this, this summer by that name, Gentle and Lowly, by Dane Ortland. And if you haven't read it, I encourage you to read it. And if you've already read it, I encourage you to read it again. It is a fantastic book. And he's, he expounds upon these five words in 200 pages a lot more than I can in the next couple minutes. So, read the book. Um, <clears throat> so, but I'm, I'm still going to try to give you cliff notes. Um, so, Jesus says that he's gentle and lowly. This is the God-man speaking. This is the second, part, the second person of the Trinity. This is the eternal word of God through whom all things were created. The enthroned son who is currently sitting at the right hand of the father with his enemies as his footstools. And this is the only part, point in scripture that we hear Jesus talk about his heart. And he doesn't say, I am strong and impenetrable. He doesn't say, I'm a just judge. He doesn't say any of those things. He says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. It's, it's crazy. Of course he doesn't say that to, you know, it's, a, it's not a wide open invitation. It's to those who get to know him will find that he is gentle and lowly in heart. So how do we know that we're learning from God? 
when you're daily, does God become less like a cold-hearted judge and more like a kind, loving father to you? It's the easiest way to know. And then the final aspect of verse 29 that I really want to hit on is the last couple words in it, that you will find rest in your souls. Jesus promises us rest, but it's not the rest that some of us would like. It's not our neighbors and them stopping being so noisy at 11 o'clock at night. It's not a rest that we're able to just take a nap for X amount of hours and then be good. It's not even that our circumstances will be able to go away. He's capable of doing all those things. We believe in a, a perfectly sovereign God who's able to do anything, but he doesn't promise us that. He promises us rest for our souls. Um, we tend to focus on the physical world. Obviously, it's what we can see, it's what we can smell, it's what we can taste, it's what we can hear, it's what we can experience. But this world is fading. Um, our bodies are getting older daily. Um, our, our circumstances are like the weather, um, at least the weather up in like Missouri where it changes every other day. <clears throat> um, and the, the author of Ecclesiastes says that this world is vanity. And he's, he's right, it's, it's a vapor, it's a mist, it's here one day, gone tomorrow. But the one thing that is gonna be here forever is your soul. Your soul will never go away, it'll never disappear, and Jesus is offering you rest for your soul. For you to find value in not what you do, and not what you are, not even what circumstances you're in, but in what Jesus is and who, what he has done for you. Um, and you may be saying, okay, sure, I trust Jesus. Like, I, I think that he's the only way to salvation. All that stuff that you just said, Rob. But I can't get away from X. I'm stuck in Y. And it's taking such a toll on me, and I can't do anything about it. And I want to, I want to encourage you with what Paul encouraged the Corinthians with in... 1 Corinthians 10, 13, which I have, so you don't bother turning there. But he says, no temptation comes upon you except what's common to humanity. But God is faithful and he will allow you, he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with temptation he will also provide a way out so that you may be able to bear it. Our God isn't leaving you alone. And are you trusting in your circumstances or are you trusting in him? So we've looked at how everyone needs rest. And we've also looked at how, um, how to get this rest. And finally, I just want to address something that is kind of my hobby. But it's a good hobby horse, which is the, uh, the third question, which is why is Jesus our only rest? And as we look at verse 30, I want to put forward a notion to you that Jesus is our only solace of rest, that Jesus is the only person who is able to cause lasting true change in a person's life. And, what, and this, this at first glance is like, oh yeah, no, that makes sense. Like, yeah, we can say that. But it boggles our mind whenever we sit down and think about it. And it can make us defensive as humans. 
because, because we <clears throat> don't have to do anything to get this rest from God. Um, we don't have to, to say a certain amount of penance. We don't have to, to win favor from God. Like, yes, our actions have consequences with our neighbors, with our families, but not with God. Um, Jesus, whose birth we celebrated yesterday, died so that we could enter the throne room of the all-sovereign God, white as snow, guilt-free. And we, we all inherently like the methods of the world. Um, they use, or they, then what they do to give us rest because they're methods that rely on us that we have to do X, we have to do Y to be able to feel better. And it's, it's so funny when you look at them because each one contradicts itself. You either will starve to death or you will become a glutton. There's no normal with them. Um, and it's, it, and truly more often than not, it leads to a heavier yoke that we, we are not called to bear. Um, there is only one person ever in the history of the world <clears throat> that even ever was brave enough to offer rest for your soul. Um, and he didn't only offer you rest, but he, his only stipulation is that you come to him and then learn from him. But, and that is amazing. But he also doesn't just leave it at that where, yep, I'll give you rest. But he also, he says, put on my yoke. <laughs> my yoke, the one that he's in. He's not just going to simply say, okay, good luck. He's in there with you. He's walking the path with you. Even whenever it feels like you're alone, when you're in the darkness, whenever there's nothing there, when you feel completely alone, Jesus is there with you. And he doesn't require you to carry the baggage the world's given you. He only, he only requires you to come to him. So we've looked at three questions. Who is tired? Who needs rest? And it's everyone. True rest only comes from Jesus when you take his yoke and you learn from him. And finally, we, and finally the only way for you to have rest is through Jesus. And if you're, if you're just visiting with us, if you've, or if you've been coming for a while but you've never really trusted in Jesus, there's nothing I can do to help you. Sorry. <laughs> um, there's no steps that can help fix your life. There's no tricks to, to help get more rest. There's not a perfect number of hours that you have to sleep to be able to feel restful. Um, there's nothing that I can offer you except for Jesus and his peace and his rest <clears throat> through his death, burial, resurrection. And he offers it freely to all who repent. Um, so I implore you to do that. That's how you will find rest, is by submitting to King Jesus. Um, if, you, if you need to talk to someone, grab me, grab one of the elders. Any of us would love to talk to you more about Jesus. Uh, it's one of our favorite things to talk about.
Um, and for, for the rest of us, for, for the believers, um, don't forget who you are. Maybe you've accepted Jesus, and for a while you were learning and learning from him, but you've, you've kind of gone cold. Uh, you've let life get in front of Jesus, and I want to call you back to your first love. Come back to Jesus. Learn from him. Allow him to lead you where he wants you to go. Um, is your faith a head faith, or is it a heart faith? Do you learn about Jesus out of compulsion or out of compassion and a desire to know more about the God who's um, died conquering sin and rose conquering death to make an enemy his adopted son or daughter. Um, what are you, you doing? Um, what can you be doing in order to look more like Christ this week, regardless of your situation? Um, <clears throat> and before I completely close this out, um, this, this might feel a little odd um, a little Bapticostal, but I, I asked David for his permission, and he said it was okay. So um, I want everyone to, to bow your head and close your eyes. Um, and as you do that, I want you to, to ball up your fists like you're holding on to a rope, just down in your lap. Um, and as you do that, I want you to think about what all you are attempting to get perfect, what all you are focused on rather than Christ everything you're attempting to do out of your own strength, the situations that you have found yourselves in, um, the hidden sins that you've never told anybody about, and, only, and the, the weight of that's just weighing you down. And as you think about that, I want you to pray to God. Say, take away, take away my burdens. Um, these yokes that I've placed upon myself, these burdens that are heavy laden upon me, I want you to pray to God that these burdens, to, to God to take these burdens away and put a desire to learn from him to take its place. And as you do that, I want you to slowly release your hands and with that, the... Uh, all these burdens that you're holding. And I wanna invite our, our worship team up as, uh, to, as I pray. Um, Father God, <laughs> we, we are tired people. Um, we are people in need of you. We need you more and more daily, Lord. Um, you offer rest for our souls to all who ask you, God, let us not be arrogant, prideful, but let us accept this, this wonderful gift, Lord. Let us not simply learn more about you because we think we have to, but let it be an overflow of love because you loved us when we were not lovable. Let each of us be a beacon of light in this world for you, Lord. <clears throat> we love you. In your son's name, amen.